Good weekend to you, everybody. Welcome to your next chapter, a production of Avery Heights. At the Heights at Avery Heights, a one-of-a-kind senior living community centrally located near the most entertaining and historical spots in Connecticut. Now, this show is dedicated to empowering older adults with helpful resources, ideas, inspiration, and tips to encourage them on life's journey. Our production is also for the younger generation so they can better understand how to develop greater communication and enjoyment for those elders in their community. Now, it's never too late to grow and enjoy new realms of the mind and heart. Your next chapter delves deep into topics that will improve the way we think about aging, senior living, and the retirement years. It's Time to celebrate our seniors. Give them wholehearted encouragement to bravely step up to new experiences with optimism, inner peace, and the courage to never give up on growing. So together, we will explore topics such as how to enjoy the retirement years in your life through exploring the world around you. We'll also discuss travel opportunities, financial well-being senior living communities, and emotional health. Along with Siobhan Seferelli, I'm Gary Byron. Hey, Siobhan, how are you this morning? Wow, that was a, a lot. That, I'm out of breath. <laughs> Please take it, I'm out of breath. Oh. <laughs> that is a lot of information. Uh, how's your week been? It's good. It was yeah. really good. The holidays are amazing. Yeah, we just had our tree lighting at the uh, Avery Heights. Had uh, 75 people there. It was really nice. Whoa. People from the cottages or the houses, as you like to <laughs> Let's call it what it is. I mean, these are houses yeah. with like flower beds, gardens, driveways. Nice, you know, yeah. yeah. This is a little cottage. Like, a little cottage is like a little hut that you see, uh, like on a lake somewhere. Yeah, aren't winterized. Amazing. And these are homes. It was homes. Yeah, it was amazing. We had families there, kids running around. We had carolers, all sorts of food. You know, Tim. He had huge <laughs> shrimp. He had crab rangoons, empanadas. It was crazy. And then we had a full happy hour, full bar as well. Yeah. That sounds. That does sound. It's like an a occasion, lot and then we lit the tree. Oh, it was sure. a huge tree in Let, the lobby. Yeah. Why shouldn't you? Right. All communities they have a yeah, it was nice, nice tree. And yeah. Are, are people? Um. Are they in the festive spirit of the season right now? Or, yeah. Or does it take a little easing into that? I think that did it. Yeah. I think that kind of launched everyone. Yeah. And then we also uh, were collecting for toys for tots as well. So we have a huge bin of toys overflowing in the lobby which is nice so i think that puts people in the mood and of course we have our um hanukkah celebration going on as well starting on sunday uh we have tomorrow no so, uh, yes tomorrow yeah. yes yeah so it's gonna be good yeah that's great <laughs> yeah it'll be it'll start it'll be the first uh candle lighting and then we have uh several uh kind of guest uh i guess rabbis coming in to uh to help us celebrate that so we're excited do do you find that people are um at avery heights during the holiday or are they 
with family or friends uh, off the ground. Yeah, it's a combination. It's it? actually really funny. I think when folks first get there, they're kind of like, you know, they keep going in and out with their family. But a lot of times now they're like, no, I can't. I got plans. I'm going to, you know, they want the family to come yeah. to them. So the day after uh, Thanksgiving, uh, like a month ago, it was incredible. I mean, I was there on, on Friday and people were uh, playing the piano. They were singing. There was family everywhere because we have hospitality suites as well. And so it was really cool. We had a bunch of little babies there and kids running up and down the hall. So you're so Residents can invite their family yes. in rather yes. than them, which is such go- a nicer visit. Rather than staying at a hotel and then having to come to you know come to the Heights, it's actually nicer because they can just wake up, go downstairs, have breakfast, have meals, go to various activities, and it's a nicer visit. And I always recommend it for families rather than staying outside of. Uh, off the campus, yeah. Hey, I noticed that uh, you brought a guest in. I did, today. I did. This is Jeffrey. He's actually a videographer. He has a wonderful company called Cameo Video, uh, which he started later on in life. <coughs> and we're pretty excited about that because we are actually starting a new section to our show. I figure we're coming up on a new year, so a new section. It's going to be called Living Your Next Chapter, Life on Purpose. And so we're going to be bringing in each month uh, someone who's wonderful, like Jeffrey, that has started kind of a, a next chapter mm-hmm. and, and something new in their in their later years. Um, and then those guests are actually going to be coming to the Heights to talk to our residents to inspire them as well. And we're super excited. Well, welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to uh, glad good to see you. Good to be here. I, I appreciate it. That's very nice of you. Um, when did this new chapter? of your life begin as a videographer and, and really what was your motivation for it? Well, I, um, um, a girlfriend introduced me to a wedding photographer in Torrington and um, I started doing wedding photography for, and I worked for him for eight and a half years and I kept watching the videographers that were videoing while I was doing photography and uh, I realized that they were missing a lot of really cool stuff with uh, their angles on the bride weren't good and all that kind of thing and from my background as a as a musician and a and a um, an actor i kind of uh, thought that this would be a good way to go and then i also learned about you know the whole uh, photography busy um, business going digital mm, and right. so that launched me into getting my first cameras and um, um and i've been doing this as a part-time up until three years ago, I, 25 years now. Wow. Would you say that in this era, uh, videography is more popular than still photography? It's most important because most still photographers with their cameras now do video as well. Oh, with, so, the, with the same camera? Same camera. So, so all right. So, wow, I didn't know that. So they've got a camera yeah. and their camera also it turns into video. Yeah. They can make a little switch and take a few uh, pictures. And, well, I'll be looking at that. <laughs> grab some video. <laughs> How long has that been? Uh, that's been uh, at least 10, 10 years now. Well, where have I been? I haven't been to any weddings, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. I mean, living under a rock. Um, so how did you determine to set up your own videography business? And really, how did your past as an actor influence your artistic work not only as a photographer, but also as an editor. Well, I think um, I was I was doing a play in um, at uh, in California at Downey Civic Light Opera, and they videoed it, and that was the first time that I actually got to see myself perform, and I was able to judge whether or not what I thought I was doing was what I thought <laughs> I was doing, 
And that really, you know, clicked with me. Um, but that was early on. That was back in the, in the eighties. And so, um, um, that oh. always kept, you know, in my head that that was something that I would want to do. And, um, so what happened was, um, after I worked as a wedding photographer and got my first video cameras, I realized that I had a niche because not only was I an actor and I understood I'm a movie buff, um, and I have a BA in speech emphasis theater. So that, you know, so I, I learned a lot about a lot of different things. And, um, I really realized that all of the years that I took dance benefited. Wow. Uh, because I, I could video, um, choreography and uh, all you have to do is if they're doing a waltz, you have to count to three. And if they're doing something else, you have to count to eight and every eight beats, something changes. And I'm, I became this incredible, um, in demand videographer for doing dance recitals. What a resume, right? Oh my goodness. But I'm trying to picture this him guy. with 80s hair. Are you not doing that? <laughs> I still have it. <laughs> I'm thinking like Wham or one of those people. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of hair did he have? <laughs> I'm lucky I still have mine. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I, I feel the same way. So I guess it's common, right, where a lot of actors make the switch to the other side of the camera. I mean, it's it's happening more often now than I think ever. I think what they realize is as they they're not the marquee name anymore. It's all, I mean, like anything else. It's cyclical. A new generation of younger actors come on, and they're the, you know, they're the big Clint Eastwood, you know? Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson, right? Yeah. Mel Gibson. Yeah. Um, do you prefer one more than the other? Ooh, uh, that was a. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I haven't performed on stage in in about thirteen years. Wow. Um, and but I was working full time uh, with a security company. And uh, managing a warehouse, and um, and on the weekends I was doing video wow. for for different companies like uh, Hartford Stage and the uh, Warner Theater and uh, um, Hart School of Dance, and uh, so. So, do you know Frank Tavera and Paul Marty and and some of these people from Hartford Stage and the Bushnell and no, no, but I do video at the Bushnell too. Oh, very nice. W- what was your primary focus though? Um, as a video producer and, and really how did your work influence actors and even dancers that saw their performances in the, let's say that like in the theatrical archives? Well, I think, I think the most important thing is, is, um, as an actor, sometimes you're able to picture what you're looking like while you're performing. So you get, get this idea that uh, you can see yourself on stage. And I learned that in college that I could actually see in my mind what I looked like and and it wasn't until I started seeing myself in video and realizing how important that was to dancers and because you know I can shoot at 60 frames per second Mm. and so dancers can if there's like 30 people on stage they can all see every single movement and they can tell whether they're in time with each other and so it's really important to nutmeg ballet because they have um, they really want to have uh, a lot of their students go on to be professional dancers. And it's really important for them to see how precise they need mm-hmm. to be. It's almost order- like sports, you know, like you videotape yourself so you can see what you're doing wrong and, yep. and right. look at the uh, replay. Tapes and they do. And, yeah, they yeah. do. When they, um, when they, on Wednesdays, uh, it's film day. If they, if you played on a Sunday, mm. let's say you played Sunday afternoon or Sunday night, you have Monday and Tuesday off. Mm. Wednesday, 
is it's all film. Mm, makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how you learn, right? Yeah. Exactly. And are you your worst critic? Like you say, oh, see, I missed my marker. I could have done that better. I'm, I know I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to, you know, yeah. radio. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's a given. <laughs> yeah. You've got to be critical. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, your past here in Connecticut as a, you are a star football athlete, right? Your, your college wow. experience. I mean, this guy did it all. My resumes are nothing. Like- <laughs> I, I, really? I, I, you, you did acting. You're a football athlete. Wow. Um, time spent in California performing. As not only an actor, but a musician as well. I mean, yeah, after I goodness. graduated from college. Well, what do you want to know? Uh, I got <laughs> all, of the all of it. <laughs> all, yeah. um, uh, Simsbury High School went undefeated in 1966, and I was one of the five seniors that was on the team, never left the field, mm-hmm. offensive guard, defensive end, and uh, all five of us got scholarships to college out in the Midwest, and we got to pick whichever college we wanted to go to. So I was not a great student, so I picked a junior college, and that was the best thing I could have done because the junior college was easier than Simsbury High School. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> and, um, and so while I was there, I started pursuing acting seriously, and um, – Although I was a major in, I'm, I majored in um, art and music, and then when I transferred to Kansas State Teachers College, which is now Emporia State University, I switched my major to the theater. But they didn't have a theater degree, so I had to get a BA in speech emphasis theater. So I learned about debate. I, I had to build sets. I had to. I took lighting classes. You name it. And. Um, the music department wanted to turn me into an opera singer, but I didn't want to deal with foreign languages, so I just. Do you have that kind of voice, like up, up, oh yeah, operatic? Is it? That you yeah. Say? Well, I have a stage voice. Oh, okay. So I can, I can give you an example. <laughs> <laughs> Were you ever in anything that maybe we we have seen? Oh. I was in a movie with um, Jean Claude Van Damme, and. Um, and um, I don't even remember the name of the movie, but I spent my whole my whole whole day in a cell, and it was 110 degrees with a great big huge spotlight, and some of the dust caught on fire, and so they had to close the place down. And it was really it was very interesting because John Malkovich, who oh, yeah. yes, he uh, was playing the bad guy, mm-hmm. and that started his whole career of doing bad guys, and he was <laughs> the nicest We're really person. Going way back. <laughs> he, yeah. Yes, he was the nicest person and just so wow. great with everybody, and I just was very impressed with him. I had a little role in the movie. And? It was, <laughs> yes, uh, it was, um, what the heck's his name? Who was the, uh, the guy that was married to um, Billy Bob Thornton? Oh, Angelina Jolie. Uh, yes, he yeah. was married to. In fact, they were still they were married. She was down there, but not in the movie. Okay. Um, you met Angelina Jolie? No. Oh, okay. No. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton, Patricia Arquette. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And a guy named Stephen Weber, who I didn't know who he is. Do you know who he is? No. He was on a TV show called Wings. Oh yeah. Oh, about an airport, yes, like in Nantucket yes, yes, or something. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. Um, he was probably one of the brothers. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I think he was. Yep, yep. I used to love that show. I, I, I didn't even know much about it until yeah. after I had already like researched it, and yeah. then I'm like, oh, I've got to watch this show. It was. Uh, we did this in uh, the French Quarter down in New Orleans. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> wow! Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. That is um, cool. Well, I don't have the credentials you have. I mean, I'm not. You know, 
I'm not the cinematographer, the yeah. dancer, the musician. Well, you want to hear an interesting story? I um, In college, I got in a movie called Bad Company with Jeff Bridges. And people, I was just an extra. And they filmed this great scene where it was the longest running continuous scene ever done at that time. And, um, and I sang in bars to make extra money while I was in college. And, and so while I was on the set, people heard that I was Jeff. And so people kept coming up to me thinking I was Jeff Bridges. <laughs> and so I didn't want to disappoint them. So I signed Jeff Bridges, you know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. <laughs> and so later on during the run, they were there for several months in Kansas uh, shooting this movie. Um, Jeff came in with uh, two girlfriends, uh, people that um, people that knew me from theater. And um, and they saw me up on the stage performing and singing and they let go of Jeff Bridges arms and they come running up. Jeff, how are you doing? We haven't seen you. That is and, funny. And his face just dropped down and it was so funny and I, I've, wow. I've followed him. I, he's, I've, I've been really impressed with him. He's one of my favorite people too. He's to, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, he was an Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. I, and his dad, Lloyd yeah. Bridges. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, oh yeah, Lloyd. Yeah. Right. The whole sure. family actually. Yep. Yeah. Bo yeah. Bridges, Bo his Bridges. brother. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just when you said the longest continuous scene, I just think of Orson Welles with Citizen Kane. If you remember the opening scene, yeah, through the window. Oh wow. <clears throat> I don't know if you remember the, what I'm, you know, or um, oh another Orson Welles movie, Touch of Evil. There's a, a one continuous. It's actually in the beginning of the movie, or the Birdcage with Robin Williams. Um, I'm a little bit of a, a wow, you, yeah. my, myself. Yeah. That's great. I like that. What do you think your favorite moments, though, on stage as a performer, are, and, and really what highlights as a videographer stand out in your mind from behind the scenes? My favorite moment on stage? Yeah. Okay. Your favorite, like... Okay, that, that definitely had to be... Um, I... I performed um, in Oliver. Uh, it was um, done in ni- 1968, I think, uh, right before the movie came out. And I got to play the part of Fagin. And this was with Simsbury Summer Theater for Youth. Mm. And this was in our third year. And um, 60, it must have been 69. So, um, so I got to audition for Fagan out at Downey Civic Light Opera in, in, in LA. And, um, and it was being directed by, um, two women that were Disney, uh, Disney people, uh, who had never directed a play before. And they were all, all they knew was TV. <laughs> and so, um, so they cast me and they kept saying, okay, um, we're not sure how to do this number called Pick a Pocket or Two. Mm-hmm. And they said, could you like stage this for us? And I said, sure, I'd be happy to. And so that happens to be one of my best moments because I got to work with all the kids. I got to tell them what to do and how to, <laughs> you know, how to pick that's my always, pockets and all this kind of stuff. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and that was, that was one of my special, most special moments. Wow. Uh, uh, folks, you, uh, you are listening to your next chapter, a production of the Heights at Avery Heights. Uh, you can find them online at averyheights.org, right? Yes. Yep. Um, just out of curiosity, how did you get so involved with set design? Uh, set, like building sets and, and directing shows and even sound engineering? 
Well, that that happened when I moved back back here. I mean, I I was a professional musician all during the seventies, mm. and just uh, I got to uh, be the, my band got to be the warm up act for uh, a gentleman by the name of Lou Rawls. Oh, you'll wow. never find, and that was his lady love. <laughs> oh yeah, remember so, those songs? <laughs> I know I can't sing. I can barely speak, but I know the songs. I mean, Lou Remember, he used to do all his work for sickle cell disease. Mm-hmm. The guy was huge. I do. Yeah, I remember. So you're surprised I know this stuff. <laughs> so um, it was the singing that threw me. <laughs> I was going to join in. Another that, love like mine. That's right. Someone who cares. My baritone. The way that Wall, I do. Wall starts singing. So I love telling this story because. Um, um, the managers, my uh, my act was Jeff and Penny, and we started off as a duo. She was the first female conga player in L.A., and I bought her her first conga drums, and she took to it, loved it, and wow. it just clicked for us. We, uh, we what had kind of no- music did you do? Uh, pop, whatever was popular. Oh, okay. You know, whatever pop. pop. We did everything, you know. Um, yeah. But I grew up in Philadelphia, so I had a different, you know, I had that background. <laughs> and, uh, and so... Um, John and Philip Miles uh, managed us uh, for a, a, about two years, and um, they're the ones that got us uh, the gig being the opening act for Lou Rawls. And, of course, I had an all-white band doing uh, rhythm and blues and <laughs> Quincy Jones and all that kind of stuff, and sure. it was an all-black audience, and we did not get a sound check. Um, because, um, the Kansas City Symphony was not up to par for the conductor for, uh, Lou Rawls. And so they rehearsed all the way through to our, uh, opening. We walked out on stage. We could not hear our instruments. We could not hear our vocals. And, and we were being booed by the audience. Oh, wow. And, um, and, and finally by the second song, we started to hear everything. And on the third song, it was my solo and I had to take off my guitar and sing this song, Everything Must Change. And all of a sudden, these black ladies in the audience shelled it out, sing it, white boy, sing it, white boy. (laughs) And Lou Rawls is sitting up in a balcony seat off to my left and with a big smile on his face because we turned the whole thing around. And at the end, after we walked backstage, uh, Lou Ross was coming down the stairs and he waved me over and he said, uh, he said, Jeff, I, I only have one thing to tell you. And, and he said, watch how I hold my mic. And I'm, hmm. and I'm going, watch. Him. <laughs> so Penny and I go out to the back of the theater and we, we watched him. We went and realized that what he had given me was his essence of what made him so, popular on stage is he held the mic right under his chin never took it away from his face you never took your eyes off his face the whole time he was performing unless he wanted you to and i thought that was such a nice compliment if that was something he shared with me about my performance and and um, so anyway (coughs) I want to get to be a celebrity where I can just say simple stuff like that and it means something. Right. You know, like, <laughs> chew you all your food, you know. <laughs> you know, and someone years later is telling that story on the radio. Saban said, chew my food. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, and now that's your line. You're exactly. going to become known chew for that. Chew your food. Chew your food. And floss. And floss. <laughs> Spokesperson for the American Dental Association <laughs> over here. How would you best characterize the rewards of your work in theater? And might as well include photography in that as well and serving on the various boards that you have throughout your 
your senior years? Well, uh, I got asked to be on the board of uh, Theater Guild of Simsbury because of my technical background. And um, most people don't e- aren't even aware of my, my acting background because that was all done in either in California or, uh, or up at the Warner Theater in Torrington mm-hmm. where I've gotten to do Fagan. I'm, I've gotten to do Fagan and Bill Sykes on stage. So I think that's pretty unusual, you know, to be able to do both those. And, uh, so, um, I think the thing that, the thing that I love the most is when people see my video and, and they compliment me on my video and they say how important it is to further their careers. Um, that's become more important to me than anything. Um, my set design and, um, uh, for Simsbury Summer Theater, um, I did set design, sound, and lighting, and I, and I taught the kids how to run the soundboards, and um, and I taught them how to focus the lights, and you know that kind of That's thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Then let me take that one step further. Is there any advice that you know maybe to our listeners uh, about how to stay inspired and and how to avoid becoming a, you know, a couch potato, so to speak. Um, I mean, you found so much purpose in your life that, you know, but do you think that you could maybe give others a little roadmap, if you will, on how they can find their bliss in life? Well, I, I think I think the interesting thing, when I retired from lab security, I um, – my a very good friend of mine also retired from the Canton High School, um, and he was the drummer for a group called Tirebiter. Oh yeah, oh yeah, which have been around for. Sure. Yeah. I, I know some members yeah. of the Tirebiter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Tom Moran was called Sticks. He was the drummer. He's also a very good guitar player. We both retired at the same time, and we said, "Gee, do you want to sing together?" And I said, "Yeah, that sounds really good." So we sang together right up until COVID. And then took a break, and then uh, this year we started up again. And so we get together once a week, and uh, we perform every now and then. Uh, we do the open mics at uh, in Simsbury and in in um, in no Collinsville. So cool, right? Yeah, yeah. It is. and uh, so that's been really good. And you know, having somebody that's um, that's interested in something you do is mm. very important. And I think um, I'm always looking at at other opportunities and things that I wanted to do. And one of those things was I wanted to, to um, see if I could write a play. And so I wrote a play about my dad and his years of uh, doing Meals on Wheels. And uh, when I got back from California, he said, I got to bring you with me just to, um, to see what I do and see, and meet the people that I deliver Meals on Wheels to. And so I went around with him, and, and there must have been about eight ladies that absolutely – Absolutely, Jeff. Loved. You have lived and continue <laughs> to live a fascinating life. Yeah, definitely. And it's been a pleasure of getting to know you. Yep. Mine too, <laughs> um, <laughs> folks. You have been listening to the latest edition of Your Next Chapter: Senior Living with Siobhan Seffarelli, the Heights Senior Living Specialist. <laughs> Avery Heights is a beautiful senior living community nestled within. 43 acres of nature right in the heart of the junction between West Hartford, Newington, and Hartford. Those who live there have access to a full continuum of care, including 
independent and assisted living to memory care and a whole lot more as well. Please visit AveryHeights.org or call 860-953-1201. That's 860-953-1201. To learn more about their special brand of community, unlike any other in Connecticut. For Siobhan Seferelli, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening. Until next weekend, have a good one, everybody. So long.